0: Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Thank you, guys. That was beautiful. That was amazing. <clears throat> I'm honored and tickled to get to be back this week. Uh, I hadn't been in this spot for a few weeks. Kyle preached for me, and then Tyler, and then Brother Mike, and I got to be at second last week, but this is my spot. Now, I share it with some young men who God is developing that part of their ministry, but it's I always miss when I'm not getting to be here to open up God's word and preach, and so I'm excited to be back. And I want you to open up in your Bibles today to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And let me just go ahead and explain uh, and, and, and qualify our message for today. This message is purely and simply about the greatness of Jesus. This message is where Jesus demonstrates a sign to go with the wonder. This is a message where uh, this is a passage where Jesus uh, showed to those who would follow him the reality that he was all man and all God all at the same time, that he had a divine nature and a human nature, and he never sacrificed any of the alternative uh, uh, positions um, by being all of the other. What I mean, he was all God, he was all man, and never less God being man, never less man being God. You can't do that, I can't do that, we can't even really understand that, but that is the magnitude of who Jesus is. He's God and he was man. Now in this story, he proves that he's God because he proves that he has the ability to forgive sin. Now let me just go ahead and and tell you, there's a lot of people in the world seeking a sign when in reality there's something much better than a sign and that is No wonder. And what Jesus does is a sign to authenticate his wonder. He says, I'm gonna show you a sign. I'm gonna take your cripple guy and I'm gonna let him walk and I'm going to heal him physically. That's a sign. But he says, I'm gonna show you a wonder that surpasses any sign that you will ever see and that is when I forgive sin and restore a soul for all of eternity. And we're in, uh, that's the world we're in. We're not sign seekers, we're not sign performers. We are people who pursue the wonder of God through Jesus Christ when he rescues someone who is eternally dying and and God places them on a path to eternal life. Now, that's good stuff. Amen, Brother Joel. That's good. All right. Now, I got that out of the way. Let's keep moving. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the title of the message is this, which one are you? Look at your neighbor and say, which one are you? I want to show you that over 2,000 years ago, in this story, in this passage, sure, it's about Jesus, but in this passage, there are people groups, people with personality traits and attributes that are very similar to the church today. In fact, all of you are represented in this story today. No matter where you are in your journey, you're represented in this story today. Now, my call, my invitation, my encouragement is to let the Holy Spirit evaluate your life, evaluate your Christianity, and show you which one are you. Let's look at the text. It begins in verse 1. It says, now, after some days when Jesus returned to Capernaum, the news spread that he was home. Okay? The first category of people in the local church are the communicators. The communicators, I would define the communicator in the church like this. These are the people who are so excited about what Jesus is doing that they just stinking talk about it all the time. Have you ever been to a family get together, a reunion, and there's somebody there that is just way too stoked up about their church? And they're just talking about their church, their church, my church, my church, my church. And, and maybe your church is in a place where it's just not so, so exciting. And, and you just want to say, will you stop it about your church? Okay? This is the communicator. The Bible says the news spread. Now, the beauty of it is, listen, the beauty of it is this. We all should be communicators. This happened over 2,000 years ago. They were not communicating. Man, that's, Man, church is good. Jesus is back in town, and he's going to be at the house. Let me just send a text out to my friends. Let me do an Instagram post. Let me send some emails. Let me call my friends on the cell phone. Let me put a billboard by the interstate. Let me run an ad on television. Let me put it on radio. They didn't have none, zero. None of that. None, none. Yet the word spread that Jesus was in town, okay? I'll pause right there. What is your problem? You have all of those things at your disposal, and yet weeks, months, years go by, not a word about what's happening in your church. Now, in this this story, we, we have to ask ourselves a question. What made them so excited about what was happening in that place? Jesus was there. Jesus was there. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, Jesus is here. Jesus is right here. The Bible says when we're born again, Jesus inhabits our life. We become the life of Jesus, the hands and feet of Jesus. So Jesus is in this place. Now you may be thinking, yeah, but boy, they had a perfect church because Jesus was there and you ain't Jesus. You don't have to tell me that, okay? I know that, okay? So, so, so you don't have a perfect church. Look at your neighbor and say, our church ain't perfect. Some of y'all were way too confident in that. Okay? No, it's not perfect, but let me tell you something. It is much, 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 much better than the church that most of the world attends. You say, well, that's a little prideful. No, it's not. Most of the church, most of the world does not attend a church. So this one is much, much better than the one that they don't attend. Now, now, let me tell you why these people were excited and they were communicating that Jesus was there because Jesus had done a work in their life. They had already experienced Jesus at some level, and so they were excited. Man, he's coming back, and if he's going to be there, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to tell everybody else about it. So, so what would make somebody so excited? Why should you be excited about being where Jesus is going to show up? Let me just qualify it. If, small two-letter word with a profound meaning. If Jesus has touched your life, if at some point in your life, like Sarah who gave her testimony, if at some point in your life you realize God is big and perfect, I am lowly and messed up, he loves me anyway through Jesus, his son, I need Jesus to save me, Jesus... Come in and save me. And if he's touched your soul, if he has entered your life, you got something to tell. You have something to tell. Now, now I was thinking uh, about this because I was reading some statistics, which I'll share next week. And one of the statistics say that when people miss church, it's because they don't really think they were going to miss something when they missed and the less they think they miss by going to church, uh, by missing church, the more they'll miss. And that just kind of kicked my tail because I want to be honest with you. We pray, we study, we labor, they practice. We want that Sunday morning to be an encounter between you and God, not you and the preacher, not you and the worship team, you and God. And and if it's not, if it's not, if you don't feel that, then Find a place where you can. There's an invitation to leave. You won't hear many preachers say that. Uh, We're opening up the door to find a place where you can encounter God. And if it's not here, let it be somewhere. But I want to tell you something. For some of us, God shows up and we encounter him. And let me just go ahead and be brutally honest. Sometimes the reason people, including the preacher, don't experience God on Sunday or Monday through Saturday simply is because we are not looking for him. Because we are looking for everything else but him. So I just want to tell you, he's here. And and we need to be communicating. Let me tell you what this looked like. In the New Testament, Acts chapter 4, 18 through 20, a couple of key figures, uh, John and Peter, they get arrested many times. But in this case, it says, and they, the authority, the rulers, the popo, they called Peter and John and they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But... Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to listen to you more than unto God, you be the judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Isn't that good? We ain't going to shut up. You can give us a beat down. You can chop our head off. You can feed us to the cats. You can do whatever you want to do, but we cannot be quiet about what God has done in our life. And if you have never communicated what God has done in your life, simply put, it may be because God has never done anything in your life. Crickets. Crickets. I'm telling you the truth. If you got nothing to communicate, maybe God has never touched your life. Because when the God of everything touches your soul, there's not enough lip lock to keep that contained. It comes out. And it should come out in the way you live, and it should come out in the way you speak. Now, you say, well, I just don't really want to invite my friends to church because I don't really like the music. Well, I do. Well, the music's too loud. No, it's not. Okay? Well, I don't like coming to church because the people just are not that friendly to me. When the girls were little, in middle school, we learned something about uh, middle school girls. They are of the devil. <laughs> not all of them. You, you all are not. Brutal on each other. Girls, y'all remember those days? Yeah. I remember Caitlin kept. <laughs> they'd have a little pity party. You know, it didn't nobody my friend. You've got to have one friend. can't have two. Okay. You know my friend. And we'd say, girls, you've got to be a friend to have a friend. You know, you you just get real friendly and they'll be your friend. That was partially true. It was a little bit of a lie because some of them girls, they're brutal. They're full of Beelzebub. And so, so you say, well, I don't like the church. It's not that friendly. That's a lie. If you don't think this church is friendly, it's because you ain't friendly. Okay. It ain't friendly. Who wants to be friendly to this? Okay. All right. If you think this church is not friendly, raise your hand, and we'll come and bust you up. That's how friendly we are. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Amen, Brother Joel. Okay? So I don't like the music. I don't like the people. I don't like the preacher. Are you serious? Come on now. You, you like the preacher. Okay? The preacher loves you. Okay? So, so what, what are we waiting for? And, and let me just say this. Okay? I'm going to be honest again. Listen to me. Everybody engage. Lean in. Here it is. If you don't like the music and you don't like the people and you don't like the preacher here's your invitation to go visit another church find one that pleases your every desire okay and then when you realize they're not out there because it's not about you it's about Jesus come on back and we'll hug you and tell you to come. welcome back okay seriously if, if you don't love this church, if you don't love your church, find one you do. Find one you can be excited to take your friends and family to. So the first one are the communicators. And I don't, that's not me. <laughs> Somebody was celebrating right there, okay? Number two, listen to what it says in verse two. So many gathered now that there was no longer any room, not even by the door. And he preached the word to them. So it's your basic church service. So many people gathered, there's no room left. This this represents the church body of America. I call them the comfortable. These are the people in the church that have a large group. They show up and find a good seat, but months and years go by and they have brought No one with them. They're comfortable right where they are. They show up in the big crowd realizing that all of that crowd had nothing to do with their efforts because they don't contribute anything. They don't give. They don't serve. They they just don't. They're comfortable where they are. It may be crowded, but it's all because of somebody else's work. And I would say this is the masses of American church show up on Sunday at some regularity. Just for the record, regularity 40 years ago was three times a week, every week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If your mama played the piano like mine did, you'd go down on Saturday to listen to her bang on the piano. If your dad was over the offering because he was a deacon, you'd go down and stay after church on Sunday while he counted the offering. But regular attendance, committed Christianity, looked like Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And now we've eliminated many or most of those, and regularity is defined by the individual. So just the other day I was asked, hey, does so-and-so go to the church at Sturkey Hills? No, why? Because they said they did. Oh, I thought you were asking, do they go? I didn't know you meant have they ever donned the door and come into our presence, okay? I, I, I misunderstood the question because everybody has a church that they're affiliated. Oh, I go to Severe Heights. Oh, I do this. I go there. I go to Sturkey Hills. I go to Second. I go to wallace I go to Beaver Dam. I go to Salem. I go to Fairview. I go to Coryton. I go to wherever you name it, and, and the truth is, they might go there every now and then because their idea of being committed to a church or a part of a church means I have some regularity in attendance. You got the CEOs, Christmas, Easter only—they're regular. I got the once a monthers—they're regular. I got the twice a monther—they're regular, and then I got those men, Sunday week, every week, weekend week, week out—they show up. Now, 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 Second Timothy three fives. So it defines these people who just attend regularly, but they're really not connected or committed. In 2 Timothy 3.5, it says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power therein. So they have this identity of Christianity, a form of godliness. They, they appear to have some nature of godliness or a religion. But there's no power in their life from God that changes their life, that moves them, that compels them to live for Christ in this world that we live in. And you say, well, I don't even think church is that important. I mean, I can be a Christian and not attend church. You ever heard that one? Let me answer the question. You can be a Christian, and not attend church, but you can't be a very good one. Oh, crickets again. Okay? Why? Because as a Christian, you are called to love and be committed to those and to that which God loves and is committed to. And you wanna ask, is He committed to the church? The church is the blood bought bride of Jesus Christ. The church is the forever bride of God's own son does he love it he gave his life for it you better believe he loves it and so if God loves the church and God does his work in the world through the church that means you should love the church and you should let God do his work in you through the local church so church is important. Hebrews 10 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together such as is common with some, even more so, come together more so as we see the imminent return of Christ, as we see the day of approaching. And the closer we get to Jesus' return, the more we should hunger to be together with his bride. Number three, verse 3. Now, some people, on the other hand, they didn't just come and get their seat, okay? Some people came, and it says, and they brought, uh, they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Some people were like, you know what? I know if I leave, if I, if I leave and get there right now, I'm going to get me a good seat, which in the Baptist church is the back, okay? Okay? Somebody asked me the other day, says, oh, it might have been Brandon Jacks. He says, uh, those seats in the front, are they more comfortable? I said, I don't know why. He said, low mileage, nobody sitting in them. I I applaud y'all for even getting close to the front row. Look at this front row. Look at this, nobody, Kyle, bam. That's what I'm talking about right there, the hero of the faith. Nothing, 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 nothing. nothing. I, I. think. Do I have like leprosy? I don't know what this is. Okay, but so these guys, th- this group of people said, I don't care about getting on the front row. I don't, I don't care to get my seat, and it is my seat. Better nobody sit in it. I don't care if I'm gonna get my seat in my section next to my friend. I don't care. I don't care if I got a good place to park my camel. I am not worried about that. Okay, that's what they're riding probably. I mean, they have nothing else. Okay, I have my donkey. I don't have it. I don't care. To par- I'll park my donkey in the back. I don't even care, but here's the deal. I ain't worried about all that because I know what Jesus has done for me, and I'm, I'm looking around, and here's a guy on a stretcher who is paralyzed, who's crippled, and he's hurting, and he needs what I got. So you and you and you, let's get together here. They don't even ask the guy. There's no record of him saying, hey, you want to go to church with us? They just snatch him up and take him. I got to thinking about this. We're doing it all wrong. Why are we asking and inviting people to church? Take them hostage and drag them to church just like this guy, okay? And it's a good story. It works. You read the rest of the story, you'll see. It's a good plan. Stop asking. Compel. Get them and take them. Hey, you're going with me. Where? Wherever I take you. It just so happens it's a good day. It's church, okay? Compel them. Bring them in. Be compassionate about it. And that's the group, the Compassionate. These are the ones who have a burden. It's not just about themselves and checking their religious box. Uh, We need to be about helping other people. They look around their world and they see lost and hurting, godless people in need of a Savior. And they realize that was me before I encountered Jesus. And so I want to take what I have and and invest it in them so they'll know what I have. And when they see anybody outside the church, they see them as a Prospect of grace. Whoo, that is good. They see everybody. Man, you're a prospect of grace. I'm just gonna to witness to you. Yeah, I'm I'm saved, man. I'm born again. Well, okay, now I know. All right. What we do often, I'm not gonna say anything because I don't want to invade their space. I don't want to be, I don't want to be I don't want to pressure them. I don't want to pressure them. Yeah, don't pressure them. Just let them go to hell, but don't pressure them. Yeah. So compassionate, these are the people that are amazed and they have a heart of gratitude about what God has done for them and and man, they just can't help it. They want to share what has happened in their life with someone else. They found the answer to life. They found peace. They found joy. They found an eternity for their soul and they will not shut up about it. They care that somebody doesn't know it yet and they want to be the ambassador to make it, to, to, to carry it into the hurting world. That's the compassionate, and they're in the church too. Man, I love that group. Luke 14 23, Jesus said, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Jesus said, It's not casual, it's compelling. Jesus said, It's not convenient. It's committed. He says, go out and bring them in that the house may be filled. Look around, y'all see any empty seats (laughs) besides these forty-eight I'm seeing on the front? Okay? Sure there is. We got empty seats. That's why we're in two services. More opportunities to bring more people. And let me just go ahead and tell you. Well, I just I just don't want to I just don't want to press them with my faith, you know. Statistics, research proves that people are willing and receptive to an invite to church. I'll share that next week. Yesterday, Kendra and I went to Cracker Barrel and I had this lady wait on me, her name's Billy Ann, okay? She didn't even have no stars. You know what I'm talking about? No, didn't even have a half star. You know, you know the one that walks up sometimes, got a little point of a star, you're like, uh oh. I hope you're in training and your mentor is with you, or I'm gonna get no tea. Okay? Not Billy Ann. Rising star. That means she ain't even got no lines on her star yet. I'm thinking, great. Should have brought a cooler. All right? Not Billy Ann, man. She rock star at the Cracker Barrel. She's all over us. I'm not even kidding. Y'all want biscuits or cornbread? Cornbread. Okay, I'm going to bring some. She goes straight back. Bam. Cornbread. Meal comes out. Cornbread. We're about half through. Still nine pieces of cornbread. Cornbread. Man, Billy Ann, she's, she's killing it. So our meal was like 20 bucks. I left, I, she was good. I left her a dollar and uh, invited her to church. That's what people do. <laughs> the worst tippers on the planet leave church, go down there and wear them out. You know, yeah, bring me some more tea. Yeah, I need eight more biscuits. Yeah, I fill up this, do this. You know, I need a napkin and a knife. I just threw mine on the floor. You know, man, you did a good job. Here's 50 cents, okay? You want to come to my church? <laughs> no, I don't, okay? So our meal was, was, was $20, and, uh, and I gave her $8, and I said, I want to invite you to my church. She said, well, that's awful nice. I said, let me tell you why. I said, anybody that can show up with cornbread and tea like you have, I want them in my church. All right? And she said, well, I said, do you go to church anywhere?" She said, just moved here from North Carolina, me and my husband, and we don't have a church. And she said, I have to work some Sundays. I wrote it down on the napkin. I said, bless you. I love you. Come visit our church, 904 Dry Gap Pike. All right? She, wants, she, she said, thank you for inviting me to church. I'm telling you. There's a few weirdos out there. I don't want to know about your church. Well, fine. Okay? Tell the person next to them. Most of them want to know. They may not know God. They may never meet God. But there's something in them when they meet somebody who really believes that their God is real in their life, who gives them a glimmer of hope that maybe God is real. And maybe Jesus did offer us a relationship with God. And maybe at some point, if this person keeps being real, it may, it may entice me in And what they don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit draws me in and I'll receive what I don't really believe, but I think they really believe is real. That's what it looks like. As a boy, let me tell you what it looks like physically. As a boy, I was raised with three brothers. I'm the, I'm the small fry. I was always the smallest one in our family. The rest of them looked like Wayne, Wayne Wood. They're about nine feet tall, you know, just big guys. My mom, my mom and dad, big people. And for some reason, why I do not know, they always drove like a two-door Impala, okay? And as a boy, my mom and dad would tell me and my older brother, you boys, y'all walk to church because we're going to go down here and pick up these other kids whose mamas don't take them to church. Now, but looking back, I was mistreated. That's why I'm warped. I had to walk to church, okay, because they're picking up somebody else's kids, okay? It's beautiful. I had, that's the way my parents did. They got this. Go out into the highway in the hedges and compel them to come in, okay? They would go pick up kids, and we'd meet them at church. Church was over. They'd take them home, me and my brother. We'd walk home. And, and, and we loved it. We didn't know any better, okay? Listen, that's what it looks like when you are compassionate about people who, uh, who don't know. And so, so you could say, well, Brother Joel, you've you got an ad over here on the interstate. and You've got one on Callahan on a billboard. And, and we do Facebook posts. And uh, we well, do that call them all thing sometimes. And we have events. And we have programs for different age groups. Isn't that enough? Isn't that bringing them enough? No. They cannot come unless you bring them. Well, now, Joel, you don't know my friends. You don't know the people. They got legs. They got cars. None of them are crippled. They may not be crippled physically, but spiritually, they're just like the man on the stretcher. They, They are crippled to sin's curse. And they cannot get to there because they are crippled by what the enemy is doing in their life. And that's where intervention comes in. And somebody who has received the grace gift of Christ takes that gift and says, you can't really get there from here, so I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you. And you pray, God, I'm bringing them. Touch their heart. Invite them. Speak to their heart. Push beyond what Brother Joel says and speak truth into their life. I'm bringing them. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And, And church, that's who God wants us to be. He wants us to be compassionate about those around us. Number four, it says in verse four, when they were not able to bring him because of the crowd, they couldn't get him in. So now they removed the roof above Jesus. And then after tearing it out, they lowered the stretcher with the uh, paralytic that he was lying on. I call these the committed. These are the ones who have a no holds barred mentality. They will see to it that the one that they care about gets to the place to see and to hear what God is doing. This is the person, he's, he's not just compassionate. She's not just compassionate. She's not just moved by, by caring for someone. She's going to do something about it. He's going to do something about it. I'm going to get them there. I am going to get them there regardless. I am going to do whatever it takes. Now, here's the sad, and I've never seen this before, and maybe you haven't either. I want you to notice What the number one obstacle of getting the hurting person to a place where Jesus could rock their world, the number one obstacle, other Christians. Well, that hurts. They couldn't get to Jesus because of all the comfortable Christians filling the seats. A whole world out there lost and hell-bound but I'm comfortable in my seat, and you should have got here earlier. Now, they may not voice that, but that's what it is in reality. So I want you to, 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 to lean in, and let me, let me explain committed. Used to, we talked about what committed was. Today, let me tell you, committed is entirely different. And I want you to understand that if you're going to be committed to bring people to church, or bring people to the Lord, you must first bring yourself to the Lord and be committed to bring yourself to church. And it's it's hard to be committed to bring others when you're not committed to bringing yourself. Well, I can't really invite old Jimmy this week because I'm not going to be there myself. And if he shows up, he'll know I don't go all the time. Okay, and he won't know anybody. Meanwhile, Jimmy's hellbound. And because... God it, and church is a convenience to you. He'll just remain hellbound and hopefully the Lord doesn't take him out of this world before two weeks from now when I will be back in church. <coughs> Crickets we don't like that okay ouch well let's keep going then. Uh, uh, maybe uh, maybe the reason you, you you can't be committed is because you've got other responsibilities um, and I don't know if you know it, but we live in a world of Cultural convenience, where anything that's convenient, man, we're, we're all in. But if it inconveniences us just a little bit, we're out. And so in our world, when it comes to church, this is what it looks like to be a church of convenience as, as opposed to a church of commitment. It sounds like this. I'll be committed to church if there's not something else that I need to do on that day at that hour. If I need to work, if I don't need to work, I'll be there. If I don't have a tournament, I'll be there. If I don't have a tea time, I'll be there. If I'm not tired, oh, I'll be there. If I get my kids in bed early enough, you can count on me, I'm going to be there. If If I'm not on vacation, oh, I'll be right there. If I get my chores done around the house, man, I'm there. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't, you fill in the blank. All of these reasons, if I don't have something more important than the Lord Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. Now I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, can Brother Mike come back next week and Brother Joel go to second? Can Kyle or Tyler preach next week? They're much nicer, okay? As pastor of this church, I am not content with a comfortable, lukewarm, apathetic, uncompassionate church. Jesus is not happy with that. And sometimes the preacher has to be the bearer of bad news that we have a place to go. We have something waiting for us on the other side. And Jesus is saying, when you get yourself right, I will take you to that place. man. He's got a, as Brother Mike talked about last week, he's got a promised land waiting. He's got a victorious life waiting, and he is waiting on us to get it and us to get engaged and us to get committed so he can take us to that place. Now, I don't want to put words in Jesus' mouth, okay? But I think Jesus, being the author and finisher of all Scripture, I think if Jesus would hear, he might say this, not just to the church at Sturkey Hills, but to the church at large. I think he might say, hey, church, uh, do you remember that commandment, that little commandment we had in there that said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Yeah, yeah, it's still a commandment. (laughs) We didn't do away with that. I know your Sabbath is not Saturday. You celebrate the Lord's Day, and it's on Sunday, but it's still... A big day, a big deal and a big day. And, and do you remember the picture that I painted of creation when I worked and labored for six days creating everything? But on that seventh day I rested, that picture was for you. I've given you six days for all of those things that, I just, that we just mentioned. He, Jesus said, all those things, your, your work and your schedules and your children and your golf and your vacation and your tournaments and your baseball and everything else the I've, I've given you six days. Enjoy. But chisel that one out and be committed because I'm committed to you. That's what it looks like. He gives us a picture. Now, here's where the problem comes in. Joel, you're being legalistic about church attendance. No, nope, I am not. Okay? You can mark this down big and plain in your book. You can do a self-evaluation. You can do some personal research. And when we open up the door to reasons why God and his church is a convenience, when we say, well, it's okay for me to miss uh, for vacation. And sure it is. not Your pastor, it's okay to miss on vacation. Okay? Um, well, if my kid's sick, <laughs> trust me, if your kid has filled up five diapers and puked four times, we don't want your baby at church that day. Don't bring them down here for healing. Okay? Anoint them with oil, pray over them at the house, okay? I'm not saying there's not times we should miss, but when we open the door to one, here's what it looks like. My parents, growing up, we would leave on Sunday after church most often, come back on Saturday. Why? Because we're going to have our family at church, okay? Uh, now what do we do? We miss two, three Sundays for vacation. Um, on top of, okay, I got sick kids, I got a tournament, I got to work, I got vacation, I got... And next thing you know, our idea of regularity and our idea of commitment to the church is one in four, two in four, and nothing else. No Wednesday night, no Sunday night, nothing, nothing, nothing. Just an occasional visit, a passing by on Sunday morning. Okay, let's keep moving to the next one because it's going to get better, surely. Okay, number five says, uh, verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the experts in the law were sitting there turning these things over in their minds, and and why does this man speak this way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, Jesus, perceiving their thoughts in his spirit, began to ask them, why do you think such things? Which is harder for me to say your sins are forgiven or to heal him physically? Now, listen, this this is funny. So Jesus is in the house, Amazing things are happening. It's a huge crowd. Paralyzed man laying there because the roof is gone. And listen, there are people in the crowd. They could have complained about anything. They could have complained about some of the stuff we complain about. It sure is hot in here. I wish they had just the HVAC. They didn't, they didn't bring that up. They didn't have one, okay? Man, it sure is crowded in here. I wish I didn't have these people sitting so close to me, okay? Um, I wish this, I wish that. I wish the other thing, no, here's what they did. They complained about the preacher. <laughs> so here's, here's the deal. The next time you want to complain, about the music too loud, the music too soft, the light's too dark, the light's too bright, the flittering when it goes off, okay, I about had a seizure, it's flittering, I can't handle it, I had to park out in the weeds, you know, uh, whatever, 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 I took my baby out of the nursery, you know, and, and they had a poopy diaper, and they didn't change it, and they, and they just did it, and it should have been changed, you know, what, just blame it on the preacher, Because the preacher has not done a good job empowering and encouraging and helping the other leaders in the church do what it is they need to do. Just blame it it on the preacher. And here's why I can say that, okay? Because they blamed it on Jesus, and he was okay with it. So you can blame it on Pastor Joel, and i got to be okay with it. So just blame it on the preacher, okay? They were complaining. When God is at work doing something great, they found time to complain. Now, some people criticize and complain at what others are trying to do to see people saved. Meanwhile, they have never led anybody to Jesus. And let me, just, let me just clean this one up, and we're almost done. If you are a soul winner, I mean, every time we turn around, you're bringing people in here, you're investing in people's lives, you're seeing people saved, you're seeing lives changed, you got the pastor's ear. You can complain about anything you want to complain about. But if you are not serving and you are not leading people to Jesus and you are not compassionate about a lost and dying world, then listen, listen, take your complaint and share it with your husband or your wife and keep it outside this church because the pastor and this church doesn't care. (laughs) Crickets again. But if you're a soul winner and you're engaged and you're serving, you got problems, you come see the pastor, man. We'll jump in that thing. We'll get dirty together and we'll see to it that we make it better. Well, let's finish up. The last thing we see is it says in verse 12, and immediately now Jesus said, just to show you the wonder of forgiveness, I'm going to give you a sign of physical healing. So cripple man, get on up out of your bed and take that bed and go on home. Verse 12, and immediately the man stood up, he took his stretcher, and he went out in front of them all. Now listen, and all of them, all of them, the communicator, the complainer, the comfortable, the compassionate, uh, the committed, all of them. It says, and they were all amazed, and they glorified God, saying, we have never seen it this way before. I call this the completed. You see, when you show up at church and the Holy Spirit of God shows up and He has an encounter with you and you have an encounter with Him, He'll complete you. All of that other stuff that seems to move in and and climb up on the throne where God is supposed to be, all of a sudden you see Him and you're like, wow, I've never seen it like that. And He'll complete you. He'll complete everybody. And when you leave You don't think about the stuff, the other stuff, and the stuff you miss because you're completed, because he pushes through all of the noise. So church, here it is. Of all of those people found in this story, the communicator, the comfortable, the compassionate, the committed, the complainer, the crippled, Which one were you when you came in today? And which one will you be next week? That's huge. This is an amazing story. It's an amazing passage with some really hard, convicting truth for us to check who we are and find out who it is that God would want us to be. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you do, I want you to know that Brother Joel loves you unbelievably. I love you all so much. But for some reason, God has placed it in my heart, a vision of what he wants to do on this hill, And he will not, cannot do it until we are sold out for the kingdom. And so maybe today, I just want to begin like this. Maybe you're here today and you're the crippled one. Maybe you're here today and you've never been touched by Jesus. He's never come into your life. He wants to. You have to be at a place where you surrender all of you and your brokenness to all of him and his holiness. You have to go to a place where you say, woe is me, I am a man, I am a woman, unclean and undone. Please, God, come into my life. And when he hears that, the Bible says he'll rush in and save your soul. The Bible says then he'll seal you with his Holy Spirit of promise. Then he will indwell you through Jesus, his son, and he'll change your life. And then all of a sudden you understand why it's so important to be committed to the beauty of his bride, the church. And for the rest of us, maybe we've just gotten things sideways. Maybe we've just kind of dropped the ball. The one that Jesus put in our hands when we got born again saved. I'm inviting you on a journey to a different place than you've ever been. To the glory of God, he holds our future. And I know it's a beautiful future because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates Of hell shall not prevail against it. And I want you to know as a church, God has placed a vision here. What He started years ago, He's completing, and it's going to be amazing. And I'm just inviting us all to move to a different level in our journey and see what good things He will do, and He'll let you be a part of it. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your word, for your story, for this scripture. And God, right now, please send your Holy Spirit. If there's anybody in here who thinks for a second that the pastor is disappointed in them, that the pastor is frustrated with them, that the pastor doesn't love them, God, send your Holy Spirit to wipe that away and know it's about none of that. It's about moving to the place you would have it have us all to be. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.